Hello, and welcome to Driving Change with me, Steve Goldstein. On today's show, I'm going to talk about how you can unleash the power of your employees. Yes, that's right. Those people on the front lines who are talking to and interacting with your customers every day. I hope this show will open your eyes to think of your employees differently, not as a cost, but as the most valuable asset you have, an asset that's not on your balance sheet. Over 25 years ago, I was working for American Express and was sent over to London to turn around our business there. And on the third day being there, I was in my office reading paper mail and the window washer came into my office to wash the windows. And I said hello to him and he sheepishly said hello back and he asked me what I was doing here and I told him I was the new person here. And he went on in his cockneyed accent to tell me all about my predecessor. He had been the window washer in this building for over 25 years. I asked him to have a cup of coffee with me after we started talking a bit, and he proceeded to tell me about each person in the organization in some detail with a very limited vocabulary, because as I later learned, he hadn't gone past the third grade, but he had such an innate instinctive ability to understand how people behave. We became friends after that initial coffee, and I began to see him, his name was John, once every few months, and eventually he took me to the pub to meet his friends. We invited him to our Christmas party, and the interesting thing that my team, my leadership team, thought, well, this crazy American from New York came over, and he's chosen to become friends with the window washer. Finally, at one point, they confronted me why am I doing this? And I said, you know, John knows more about what's going on in this business than you do. You might serve you well to start talking to some of the people in the company and finding out yourself. That was a very poignant moment for me because I realized right there that there's no substitute for getting your hands dirty and really talking to the people who make the difference. And normally those people are the ones, you know, at the bottom of the organization chart who are really interacting with real customers. If you're listening to this show for the first time, thank you for spending time with us. And if you're coming back, welcome. And I really appreciate your continued interest. Make sure to visit my website to learn more about how you can drive change at stephendgoldstein.com. Last week, a colleague of mine who buys into this whole model of connecting with your employees decided he would try it And he wound up interviewing the store manager of the Starbucks where he has his weekend house. He's been going there for several years and knows Debbie, the manager, pretty well. But this was the first time he actually spoke to her about business. He started by telling her that, in his opinion, her store had the best customer service of any of the Starbucks he visits. And he is a very serious coffee drinker. He then asked Debbie why she thought that might be the case, and she said without hesitation, their customer service in this store is based on hiring the right people. So Bob, that's my friend's name, he said to her, what's your secret? And she said to him, hiring the right people. She goes on to tell him that she has created a fail-safe three-question interview format that tells her exactly what she needs to know in the first five minutes of the interview. So obviously, Bob asked Debbie to tell him the three questions. The first question is, 
what is your passion in life? And she said, if they struggle with a sound answer, they are washed out. The second question is, why do you want to work at Starbucks? She said, if they say free coffee, they're done. And the third question is, what is your favorite Disney character? Mickey or Minnie are the only acceptable answers, according to Debbie. She then goes on to tell Bob that this technique has served her well in the 10 years she's been there, and she's told him that she has a 16% turnover ratio, which is the lowest in that state. Well, you might think, okay, that's a nice sort of quirky story, and it probably is, and it obviously works for Debbie, but the reason I'm telling the story is it's not the whole story. It's actually only a portion of the story. You see, Starbucks has over... 11,000 stores in the United States, another 9,000 in the rest of the world, and they plan to open yet another 1,500 in China over the next two years. So let's just focus on the 11,000 in the United States. Who in senior management of Starbucks is aware of Debbie's little secret? And I'm not suggesting her interviewing technique is the best, and I'm not suggesting those questions are absolutely the right questions, but it works for her. And perhaps it could be leveraged throughout the United States. Now, Starbucks does a good job. While most quick-serve restaurants range have turnover between 150 to 400% a year, Starbucks as a chain is at an astounding 65%, according to QSR magazine. In other words, they're like three times better than their best competitors. So you could say, well, that's very good. But imagine if Starbucks could reduce its turnover rate from 65% to 16%. So it raises a question. Is anyone from headquarters going to visit all of the Debbies out there? I don't know. But I do know this. This I'm sure of. If the top leaders of Starbucks visited 100 stores and spent serious time with their folks on the ground in the stores, they would find a way to improve their turnover as well as many other aspects of their business. And then once they figured that out, they could institutionalize that throughout the 11,000 stores in the U.S. and potentially the other 9,000 in the rest of the world. That's a big deal. But it's connecting the dots once you actually go out and talk to people in the sales organization. Again, you're listening to Driving Change. To learn more about me, Steve Goldstein, and the show, please visit me online at stephendgoldstein.com. I'm now going to give you three tips that I use and that I recommend others use to turn your employees not only into an asset, but a competitive weapon. The first, and by far the most important, is get out of your office. I often say that nothing good happens in your office. Whatever business you're in, get out to the front lines. If you're Oscar Munoz, the CEO of United Airlines, it wouldn't be terrible to go to O'Hare Airport in Chicago, where your headquarters are, and spend an afternoon at a few podiums to observe what happens when your folks, your customers, board a plane. I travel a lot, and I observe all of this, and I would imagine that if Oscar saw what I experience, he'd have a serious set of questions to ask his people. So you have to go. This is not reading reports. You have to go out and see this hands-on. If you're in the retailing business, go to a store. Check out the merchandise and talk to some salespeople. If you have a factory, 
Go to the shop floor and spend time with the machine operators. See how they work. See what they need. See what you can do to help them. Ask questions. How's it going? What's not working? What is working? What do you need to do a better job? They will tell you, and I promise you, they know the solutions. And lastly, take good notes. When I take these visits, I normally fill up an entire legal pad of items that I have been told by the people I'm speaking with. So the first thing you want to do is get out and talk to people and see what's going on. Now you come back and it gets to the second one. You have all these items. Let's say you filled up the majority of a legal pad. Now you have to put these items into logical buckets or categories and organize them in a way that you can work with them. You know, try to call out what the themes are. What's the significance of what they're saying? You can aggregate a number of these items together and get them down to obviously a smaller manageable number. Then what you want to do is pull your leadership team together. Describe the process you went through. Describe what you learned and review these items with them and see their reactions. Are they surprised? If they are, that means they're not visiting those locations either. If they're not surprised, that could even be worse. It could mean they know, but have chosen not to act. At this meeting, after you've thoroughly discussed everything, start prioritizing them. Make some decisions as to which issues you want to tackle, assign owners to each of those topics, and completion dates, and then it's your job to follow up and make sure that everybody is doing what they committed to do. And third, perhaps the most important, is close the loop. You have to let the folks in the field know you are listening. The next time you visit, and you will, they should begin to see that some of the suggestions they have made have actually been implemented. And what that's going to do is cause them to keep giving you more suggestions because they believe that you actually care what they say and they believe that you're interested in improving the business and that you value them. It's a very virtuous cycle. And the other part of closing the loop is now telling your leadership team that they have to model the same behaviors. They have to go out and do the same thing you did. And all of a sudden, you're going to have dozens of people going out into the organization And that's only going to make you more knowledgeable, more aware, and come up with great ideas that you can implement. Thanks for listening. And I hope you can see how valuable connecting with your employees is and how it can make such a significant and dramatic improvement in your company's performance. Make sure to visit my website for more information about my show, as well as tons of other leadership information and tools that are free on my blog, stephendgoldstein.com.